Hello and welcome to today's BPF Futures podcast. I'm Andrew Teacher, founder of Blackstock Consulting, and I'm here with Bill Hughes, who's Head of Real Assets for Legal and General Investment Management, and Guy Granger, who's EMEA Chief Executive at JLL. So Bill Hughes, the property industry has, has been on a, a huge course of change over the last few years. What are some of the big things looking looking ahead that, that you see coming up the road and, and how how are people going to have to change to, to deal with some of those challenges? Well, I think we come from a background which has been way too passive. Owners of real estate around the UK have have been complacent. They've sat on, on, on assets, they've collected income. And I don't think in many cases they've made a sufficiently imaginative contribution to society. But that's, that's definitely changing now. Um, I think the way owners of real estate engage with retailers has become more challenging, but we have to be more creative. The sort of residential real estate we're building is much more attuned to what people really want to have happen. And I think really the the property industry recognises that it can make a positive contribution to society, really make a positive difference. And social value, how how do you quantify that? Obviously, as a business that has all sorts of shareholders and stakeholders, investors and partners and JVs, how, how do you on paper, quantify something like social value? Yeah, I mean, th- there is there is a, a regime now that um, gives you a clue in terms of the 30 or so factors you should be looking at, and you can generally aggregate those into a number of things like creating indigenous employment growth, like making people's lives better, which could be to do with quality of the air, accessibility, the general environment, um, and, and health and well-being is certainly part of that. And the more you can measure what we're doing by way of contribution, I think, the more recognition we'll get as an industry for what we're actually doing. And, and Guy Granger, in terms of in terms of JLL, clearly the, the advisory space has massively evolved over the last 10 years or so, over this cycle. What have been some of the, the principal hurdles that, that you've had to uh, jump over over the last few years in, in, in evolving the business? Well, I think we've been very used to being in a competitive environment um, where there's lots of people trying to compete for the same type of work. But in the last few years, we've seen some new competitors come along, uh, new technology businesses with major funding from venture capital. Uh, and they've changed the rules, quite frankly. They're playing a different game to us. And that's been very healthy for us to really introspectively look at ourselves and understand, are we truly delivering a seamless solution from our, for our customers or are we just repeating what we've always done? And I think it's really healthy and that's led to a lot more innovation. And, and in terms of the people that are going to be driving that innovation, I mean, as, as, uh, you know, as I think Bill mentioned in terms of the industry not being perhaps as proactive as it could be, many would say that the property industry hasn't quite been as diverse as it could be over previous generations. And that, that's obviously going to have to change if we're going to meet challenges around you know, treating our customers in different ways and building new things and, and using technology. You know, as, as a large people-driven business, what, what, what's the role that, you're, that you have in that? Yeah, well, there's lots of uh, mantras from senior management around you've got to change the people or you change the people, Uh, things like that. Honestly, uh, there is a reskilling that's needed here uh, in a lot of areas, not all areas. um, But I think that's true of the modern world, actually. It's not just our industry. 
we're living in changing times. And unless you're constantly curious and educating yourself and um, learning new ways to do things, then you'll get left behind. And, that, um, and that's precisely what we're, you know, what we're celebrating with the, the BPF Futures first anniversary. It's that, that contribution that the younger generation can make uh, through getting more involved with the sector, through getting involved with, with the policy and the government relations work that the BPF does. And, and why do you think that's important? Well, I think it's about all generations first, but I think what the younger generation can bring to the table is um, an energy without the legacy. And uh, it's often hard when you've been successful uh, by using old-fashioned techniques is to understand why you need to change. And I think that uh, the next generation can help uh, mentor and educate a lot of people uh, as to the need for change, but also how you embrace um new ways of working and new technologies uh, to provide um, a much better solution. And, and Bill Hughes, in terms of new solutions, new technologies, again, this is obviously something that LNG is at the forefront of with its work in, in off-site manufacturing, mm. looking at, at constructing homes in factories and, and really changing the dynamic of the construction supply chain. And that clearly is going to need um, a number of, of new skills in uh, inside the people that you're bringing into the business. Yeah, there's, there's lots and lots of potential to modernise the sector we're in. Um, modern methods of construction is, is a really good example where the UK has, has been um, very much behind the curve in terms of the art of the achievable. Most, most other countries, to some extent, have, have addressed this. Japan probably leading. Other parts of mainland Europe have done pretty well. Um, and and it's, it's astounding. It's astounding that the construction sector... Has, has very much um, stayed in the 19th century almost, if not the early 20th century, rather than seek to modernise. It hasn't had the impetus to get efficient. It hasn't really spent time thinking about what does the ultimate user, ultimate user um, what does society actually want it to do? And, and I think it's, it's exciting for us to be in the foothills of that as a project. And I think the UK has got a whole lot of challenges and change ahead of it in, 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 in and around modular. But, but you know, but technology is changing everything we do, access to data, um, change innovation, being more fluid, being more adaptable, willing to challenge convention is all part of this. And, and I agree with Guy. One of the things that we really need to learn to do in our industry is to harness the talent from the new generation and really value their energy and contribution rather than necessarily listen just to people with experience because society is moving fast and successful businesses will be able to harness the young um, new ideas creative disruptive people coming into the industry but um, i think one of the reasons bill that the construction industry hasn't changed is it hasn't needed to uh, i mean there's very little sharing of innovation and opening the books up to new stars of innovation because uh, quite frankly the market's been behind most people for the last five to ten years and so it's been an attractive environment where you know developers or investors haven't needed to to innovate and um, sometimes it also takes a lot of experimentation a lot of investment a lot of capital and for that you need real scale and uh, you know, Bill and I are lucky enough to work for major major organizations with with very strong balance sheets but uh, you need that to innovate these days, being a small company, you just you just can't necessarily 
So in, so, in, so in terms of, I, I suppose, somebody, um, you know, somebody starting their career right now, Guy Granger, that might be looking, looking to make a name for themselves, looking to innovate, what, what sort of things should they be doing? What, what, what would be the you know, three pieces of advice that you would give someone starting out now that, that, wants, to, that wants to be a future star of, of, of the property sector? Well, you've definitely got to, um, you've got to try things out. You've got to, that curiosity of... To move um, fast and break stuff. Well, which well is a- not necessarily. I would say, but you have got to put yourself into uncomfortable situations. Uh, you know, clear the desk um, of the day job and take on new challenges. Um, when I was younger, someone gave me some great advice and said, make yourself redundant every five years. Find a successor because that successor will then challenge you in your role and you'll have to move on and do something else. And I think that's really sound advice. I think you should constantly um, be looking, not not necessarily to map out your career for the next 20 years, but but do it in short stages and really plan growth. Educate yourself. I mean, constantly learn. That is the best way to progress and in what, any industry. And what's one of the most uncomfortable situations you've been in during your career? And how do you get out of it? <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I've been fortunate to uh, have been uh, offered some roles which have com- been completely different from previous ones I've taken on, even when I was younger, um, to uh, take on new opportunities where you literally turn up at the first day of your job and there is a clear desk. There is, you have to learn again. You're at, you're at ground zero and you have to work your way up. And actually, that's a really cathartic process that you go through as an individual. Uh, and you learn a lot about yourself. And I would say it's healthy to do that every now and then. I think too many people in this industry have got stuck in a silo and stayed there for 20 years. Don't do it. And, and Bill Hughes, what's, you know, what kind of advice have you been given that shaped you? What, what, you know, if you can look back on any, any game-changing um, tips or, or directions you were given, any real big inspirational characters that you've had. You know, yeah. Who was the Alex Ferguson of your career? Oh, I've, I've been lucky to enough to work for quite a few people who I think are really influential. Probably the one that I any was... Any proper hairdryer treatment? Um, Sir Alex Yeah, style. you know, I, I think you need to be resilient enough to handle that from time to time. Um, I was lucky enough to work for one of the people who invented real estate research, property research, it was, it was called in, in the UK, a guy called Peter Evans. Lucky enough then to work for one of the um, smartest prophetic strategists that has been around, a guy called Jerry Blundell, who was actually part of the the, the James Lang LaSalle uh, world. Um, you know, and w- what they probably taught me early in my career is is this thirst for knowledge is a prerequisite. Um, challenge convention. You know, do not expect things to stay static. In fact, you know, get yourself in a position where you can create change. And I think that's tough when you're young in your career because that does require a certain amount of self-confidence. But you know there are people all over the industry who who are protecting the status quo who do need to be challenged. And I think the fastest way to become influential and probably the best way to be excited by what you do is just to challenge convention and and really get yourself out there. Some not just based on a whim, you know. Get the get the facts. How, These do, how days, do you do that? You, well, how do you do that though, when, when, Bill Hughes? Without uh, without being, <clears throat> what, where's the line between confidence and arrogance, especially yeah. in, in a large corporate yeah. business such as LNG, such yeah. as Jada? How do you do yeah. what you're suggesting in a polite way? Well, there's there's two things I'd say about that. First of all, to your question, you have got to be empathetic. You need to understand what the recipient of what you're saying is 
going to be thinking and how they might react to it. So there's no point being aggressive and endlessly making people feel threatened. But there is a way you can articulate a different course and get people to buy into it. You know, actually, the best way to get an idea adopted is to make someone else think it was theirs. Um, the other thing I'd say, though... So this, on that, what's the best idea you've ever given away? Uh, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. The other thing I wanted to say, though, is that, you know, in, in my day, if you wanted to learn stuff, you would go to a library and you'd get books and you would read those books. Do you want to explain what a library is for, yeah. the, for some of the well, BPF Futures people maybe listening to this They still podcast, exist, by the way. There are some modern language, uh, libraries that are a little bit underused, but, you, but you know, a place where books are stored and you would have to go and find the book and it wouldn't be easy to find the book you want to read you know, through an index and then go and flip through it and find the bit that would help you answer the question you want to uh, answer. But now, of course, through internet searches, of which there are many, you can get immediate access to information there's no such thing now as as a question that can't be answered relatively quickly so there's no excuse actually to be anything other than pretty current and you can challenge convention and that's one of the the, the reasons why things are moving moving on more quickly than they were and you should avoid arrogance i think in today's world humility is a great asset and even accepting your own vulnerabilities is a sign of strength but I think the best way to avoid just shouting your way to the top, because let's face it, in this industry and other industries, there are many salespeople out there, is to back it up with evidence, like Bill said. You know, come armed with evidence. If you've done your research, you know, preparation, 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 then uh, as long as you've got evidence, then you can back it up. And the second thing is build a network. You know, build a network of people who can, who can help you uh, and who you can help. And uh, by doing both, uh, you should be able to progress uh, in today's world. And that's obviously a, a central part of what BPF Futures is aiming to do. It's to help people have that network on tap so that they can come in and, and, and really meet other people in, in a multidisciplinary environment, which is obviously, again, the, the, the nature of JLL and other advisory firms now is that you know, you're absolutely across every single discipline there is. Um, and what you know, what are some of the the, the projects that you know, what's exciting you at the minute, guy? In terms of you know some of the, the the big picture stuff that you're looking you know across across the region. Well, I suppose um, I've, only for the last three years have I been in a truly international role, and uh, it's been fascinating for me to spend time in other countries and get immersed not just in the cultures and different ways of working, but to see how best in class examples. Um, are bi are of built environment uh, are being displayed and we've kind of missed them in the UK Bill and I were just chatting before we came on air saying actually some of the things being done in the Netherlands and Sweden around the circular economy and the built environment are incredibly exciting and they're attracting lots and lots of interest the return on investment is even greater but they're exciting because they're visionary they're really long-term thinking and visionary. They've thought of something that no one else can provide. And you know what? It's captured the imagination of occupiers, tenants, and businesses from around the world. And that's to be admired. And I think we're quite distracted at the moment in the UK, whereas we should be thinking bigger and more visionary. And, and, and Bill Hughes, let's come back to my question about the, the greatest idea you gave away. What, 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 you know, if you had to pick one thing that... One bright nice simple one to finish on. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad he didn't ask me that one. Oh, you've got one coming in a second, don't worry. Um, I, I, I guess early on in my career, I sort of made the link between between research and decision-making. I think, I, I suppose, there were a lot of people around who did numbers but didn't do communication, a lot of people around who were 
good at having a beer and communicating and not necessarily linking the two. But um, that's that's how I got a grounding in the career is, is linking analytical rigour with communication and persuasion. That's not a specific moment, a specific thing. But I think if I would think about the clever things or the influential things I've done along the way, it would generally be in that sort of space. So communications and empathy, they're, they're two yeah. things we, we keep you, coming back you, to. You know, our, our, our job now as senior people in businesses here is, is to influence the influencers. And, and that is, in many cases, the younger generation as well as the, you know, the senior grey hairs. And, and to, to finish up, Guy Granger, what, what, you know, what's one of the pieces of advice you wish you'd been given earlier on? If you, know, if you could talk back to, your, to a younger self, what would be, what would be something you, you'd offer back? Are you, are you suggesting I'm not young? Oh, no, I'm, we're talking about you know, three <laughs> years ago when you were 21. What would you, what would, you know, um, <laughs> I think it would be just to uh, have more courage. Uh, I think that's, that's the main thing is... Um, you know, you're going to fail at a few things. Don't be too afraid of failure because uh, that's where you learn the most is through trying things and failing. So have a bit more courage um, of your conviction uh, and go out and do it. And you know what? If you fail and have a setback, you know, take it on, learn from it, and next time you'll come out stronger. And, and, and Bill Hughes, to finish off, what's one of the, 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 you know, the, the, the most important traits you look for when you know when you're bringing people into the business. I mean, what, what's you know what's one of the things that people can do you know, to really stand out, yeah. to really demonstrate value, yeah. and and to shine in a in a, in a you know in a big business. I, I I think I have a bias towards people who who have got equally um, visible attributes in emotional intelligence and intellectual intelligence, or sort of standard IQ, um, because people tend to be one or the other rather than both. And, and it's, it's only when you've got an emotional intelligence can you really influence people, and it's only when you've got the intellect to configure an argument and an influencing, compelling rationale for something can you, can you have the armory to do that. So that's, I tend to look for that, which is partly the brain power, but also comes back to communication skills. Fantastic. Well, look, that's, that's really useful advice. Thank you very much to Guy Granger from JLL and to Bill Hughes from Legal and General. And we both wish a happy first anniversary to BPF Futures. I'm Andrew Teacher from Blackstock. Thanks very much.